Thanks so much. Your beautiful metaphors there. 
um, yeah, you really caught the spirit of it. Um, you know, we're living these, you know, extraordinary times where so much is happening and we have so much information available um, that early on I was fortunate enough to kind of be introduced to um, some of these wisdom traditions and also um, psychology and neuroscience coming of age um, that I kind of followed a thread or kind of my heart's desire once I, I had a taste of some of the freedom from suffering and some of the uh, potential of really a new operating system of kind of awakened consciousness. And at first mm-hmm. it was moments and a glimpse and minutes here and there, but it was clear and the wisdom traditions I was studying were saying that this isn't just a state like a meditation state, but this is really um, a new operating system that's already installed that mm. if you learn learn to grow into it, uh, you can live um, from <clears throat> moving from this small separate sense of self, this thought-based identity to this interconnected loving flow. So I thought, well, that that sounds good. What what else was I going to do with my life? Uh, so, so I figured, <laughs> let's go for that. This sounds good. <laughs> I'll take one from column A and two from column B. I'll take that one. <laughs> That's right. Let's go, let's spend some time on that. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I did. No, so I hear I, you. I, I, the <laughs> excitement about it and the the lure of it is, I mean, it's sort of unmatchable. Yeah. Right. You know, it's is it true? You know, like what Lao Tzu yeah. says, and you know these these wise gals and wise guys of of ancient times and modern times <laughs> who I was able yes. to meet. You know who are are proposing there's another level of human development um, and that they have different ways of accessing it and stabilizing it and then living from it. And so that was, you know, something I thought, well, let's see what's true, what's real. I was less of a kind of joiner or, you know, guru type. I was more of a explorer and a democratic Let's check it out. Let's test it out. Let's find out what's true. Let's, you know, ask real questions. Let's sure. explore. Really more so, scientific investigation, if you will, or explorer and adventurer. Yes, and really, you know, really to see what's real, what's true, not to kind of kid myself yeah. or others or kind of create a, you know, a fantastical vision, but to really feel that, you know, suffering is relieved and there's a way of being more loving and um, more um, in the world of, you know, everyday life. Yes, exactly. Well, it's beautifully put. And I would like to ask you, since you framed it the way you did, Locke, uh, because this idea of an operating system, of course, is is very much uh, up to date with our computerized lives these (laughs) days. So. We get the download. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, right. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'd really like to ask you because, uh, you know, on one hand, we, uh, not to be overly technical in the metaphor, but I would like to understand yeah. this. On one hand, yeah. we install an operating system into hardware. And you okay. are basically saying that there is an operating system already installed that sort of has gotten a bit kind of dusty and marginalized mm-hmm. in place of another one that's very, let's say, as you put it, thought-based, dualistic, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yes, no, etc. So mm-hmm. how can yeah. you help us navigate through mm-hmm. understanding this? Yeah, and, you know, we can play with metaphors, you know, whatever works for people. And this, you know, is kind of one of the principles, even from the beginning of the kind of way that I uh, use these glimpse practices and meditations and pointers is really to let people find their own language and their own doorways and different spiritual languages. Do you mean this or that? Which one works for you? Okay, that one? Let's check it out. Let's see if that's true. So operating system, you know, may mean a radio station to somebody, you know, tuner tuning into something greater than ourselves or uh, a doorway or, you know, a hidden uh, light, you know, like a, or the, you know, uh, some, but it is, um, you know, like a, or a heart mind rather than a head mind is another Mm -hmm. uh, way of, 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 this has been described. Um, so we, we have a metaphor know. for every occasion. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but but I'm getting it, you know. But we're you know we're getting yeah. at something very important, which is um, not is kind of an upgrade of identity and mind, so that we don't try to say, oh, okay, well this is me now. I'll try to you know find better states of mind for the me that I currently am. Mm-hmm. Um, or to even say, okay, well, it's not a state, it's a trait, which is like an upgrade. Okay, well, it'll become a trait of me. And this is saying that that you're not the small separate sense of self that you think you are, that that's actually like an ego function that is operating like an ego identity. But if it can just, you know, you don't have to fight it or kill it or get rid of it, you can thank it for its functioning and then mm-hmm. you can upgrade to this um, felt sense level of perceiving and knowing and a being that is um, where you're seeing from, where you're responding from. And it's kind of like a, like a flow state is one of the <clears throat> kind of contemporary sure. um, examples that people may know about. Um, which is basically an optimal functioning. So it's not a passive retreat as if you have to go into a cave or join a monastery and you Mm -hmm. achieve a a kind of a quiet mind and, and then you just, but you have to stay in this, this environment where you've given up family life work, you know, all the, the things that tend to trigger us. Um, But actually it's a bigger capacity of loving presence that feels like it can be with the inner traumatized and shame-based parts of ourself and can relate to and respond and be motivated to take action for social justice in a world 
that's gone a bit mad, you know. Yes. <laughs> so that uh-huh. so that <laughs> yeah. so that you feel like you you know that you can live a fully intimate human life, but from a new sense of who I am. And is that who I am uh, existing prior to our, let's say, egoic self that we develop through our personality and our Mm -hmm. life conditions over time? So is it pre-existing or is it an invention, sort of like the personality, but we're starting sort of fresh? Yeah, so that's that's the big unique premise of, you know, like Taoism and uh, yeah. Advaita Vedanta in Hinduism and uh, Dzogchen and Mahamudra, these kind of mm-hmm. advanced teachings which are end up being, you know, kind of simple in some ways, even though they're advanced, they're but the yeah. premise is that the discovery Maybe they're this, advanced because they're simple. Yeah, it's because they're too simple for our advanced <laughs> minds. <right? Yeah. laughs> I, think, I think that's it. We're too, we're too smart for our own good is the problem. <laughs> right. We're too and smart we for simplicity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're missing the simplicity, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, I haven't, so it's been too long since we've laughed together, Locke. It's been too long. <laughs> I <know>. Feels good. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully those listening will. If we will uh, will join us if we go off into a into a laughing you know jag. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I hope people <laughs> join us. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Much, much. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so, We've been known to do that, by the way. We've been known yeah. to do that. <laughs> so please, I'm 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 wholly <laughs> interested in what you're saying here. Okay, I know that. So, so the sense is that in some ways there's a kind of natural intelligence or intelligence that's greater than ourselves that's prior to thought, that's both kind of within a baby, but also then we develop kind of uh, cognitive thinking and then we start to believe that the thought or the signifiers or the conceptual Markers um, uh, and labels are the way to know, but there's actually kind of a wisdom mind, which is beyond conceptual thinking, another level of development in, um, that's already here and can perceive, like through direct perception, a kind of almost like continuous intuition or mm-hmm. um, a felt sense. And then thinking becomes a tool of that. So it's kind of a stepping stone conceptual um, mind and conditioning um, that then can be kind of cleaned up a bit, but the main way of knowing is kind of like a flow state, which is described as, you know, not having when people are in a flow um, state, like playing music in a, in a band or in an orchestra or playing sports mm-hmm. or playing, uh, <clears throat> being in a, in a creative zone writing, uh, then you feel like you're not 
listening to, you're not thinking about thinking. You're feeling a kind of connection to everyone around you. You feel um, there's no need to reference thought. All that information is available, but not through self-referencing and thinking about thinking. Mm-hmm. So, yes. so it's kind of poured into the background, and there's a uh, a sense of uh, being in the zone. Um, and this um, capacity is available already within us, and it just has to be kind of uh, discovered as a kind of once this small sense of self relaxes. So in a moment, you can have a glimpse of this um, mm-hmm. thought-free clarity that feels embodied and interconnected. Um, and once you get a feeling for it, you say, oh, that's already here. It, and then mm-hmm. there is a kind of unfolding of that, so it becomes kind of the new, the new normal. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. It's a thought-free zone, you could say. <laughs> yeah. Talk about zones. So I I know, you know, the zone state well. Yeah. In lots of contexts, one of which you cite in the book on something of your Mm -hmm. own personal background of sports and myself as well. Uh, I, for me, it's more tennis and something uh, called paddle tennis, which is a, it's a Mm -hmm. kind of a, smaller version of tennis and um and I play a lot actually and uh I know what my attraction is I mean one it's just beautiful to be physical talk about being embodied yeah. and uh, very present in being physical and enjoying the movement of the body um and the other is the mind body uh character which is being you know, a unified field, if you will, of mm-hmm. sort of one action. You know, your body and mind are, and I know you know this well, synchronized in such a way that it is it is thought-free. It's movement-rich, and it's awareness-rich is some mm-hmm. of the words I would use to kind of describe yeah. it. And so it, what is the relationship then between that and what you're talking about and a state, like you've made the point that what we're talking about here isn't just a state. Um, it's more in the development of actually a trait, you know, to get Wilberian about it, which I think is great. Yeah. I mean, it really helps us from a larger view understand uh, what mm-hmm. you're talking about. Yeah, so and I, I what, what would you say are those, the relationship? Yeah. I'm sorry? Yeah, and I add another, so I, I go, I say, you know, it goes from state to trait, but then even trait still refers to as if it's a trait of who. So then it's state yeah. to trait to identity shift. And so, yes, you know, and, and we, so let's say we go into that zone in some activity. And I, you know, I say in my, in, in the book, and I actually have a, one of the practices is called um, the memory door. And what I ask people to do is basically, to tell me, first of all, like, what do you do in your free time to have fun? And so you would say tennis mm-hmm. or platform tennis. And then yes. um, and then uh, somebody else would say gardening, and someone says, I walk my dogs, and someone else says, I dance, and someone says, I, and I say, and what 
is it that you feel when you are doing this? Why do you do it? And what they describe is that these are different doorways and different seeming activities, but they lead to a felt sense of self that's non-ego-centered, that is Mm -hmm. awareness-rich and body-rich and action. And so it's not just always sitting still, like in meditation, it's actually in functional activities. Some people, you know, rock climbing. So these are, you know, things that take technical skill sometimes, sometimes not, but... Mm-hmm. But then, um, but then, the, so then, my question and curiosity became: Okay, is this like a state called the flow state, or is this um, actually accessing a new you that can do this either from not a, not being in the zone? You could garden not being in the zone, or you could garden from being in the zone. You could play tennis from your neurotic mm-hmm. self, or you could. <laughs> That's right. In, in, in the and I've done both. <laughs> and you've done both. Yeah. And you can you know, see, feel. So, or is this actually accessing the you that could live this life when you stop playing tennis in the same way? And what mm-hmm. would that be like? So that quality, when you start to realize, so these glimpse practices that I do, which are like mini meditations or Mm -hmm. micro micro meditations rather than microdosing of psychedelics. (laughs) (laughs) I I got it. I got the reference. To the the younger generation that come to me sometimes uh, having opened the door through through this kind of, you know, shift. Sure. Uh, But these micro meditations or glimpses are a way to intentionally shift any time of day during sitting on a subway, at work, in a, you know, being with your friends, being in a, you know, about to speak in front of a group. So anytime you can shift into the zone and the zone. Yes. So it's similar to the zone. So I'm using that as kind of a, a reference to say, okay, we've all tasted something like this awakened state and it's functional and now we're going to add a few other little tweaks to make sure you don't think of it as connected just to that activity, but you really mm-hmm. realize that you can access the you that that is, you know, the you know the yeah. the zone being or the you know be the zone, yes um, the zoner you know the zoning one uh, so right. that you right. realize that there is. Um, that that's you. So then, so I'll have people do these glimpses and then say, okay, now that you're here, is this a state that's happening to you or is this you to which that other state of ego-centeredness may come back or may come and go? Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, and you know, please correct me if the understanding isn't right mm-hmm. of what you're saying, but it's that you're, in a sense, helping people, your students, your clients, establish a state of, I'm caught in language a bit, a zone of being and a trait of being uh, beneath the outer conditions. That is the through line, if you will, sort of the perennial theme of being, uh, no matter what, 
whether it's tennis or whether it's baseball or whether it's walking or whether it's simply, you know, cooking or whatever, lovemaking. It's, working, yeah, there's a, just daily life. Underneath, there's a, a fluidity of identity and there's some mm-hmm. through line. Yeah. yeah. But there's a, it's, like a, it's like a background foreground shift. So yeah. Currently, let's right. say, let's say we'll, you know, use another metaphor. Currently, we're like, almost like caught in this small cloud of consciousness, yeah. and we think we're the, we think we're this cloud, and we're spending our time cleaning up the cloud. <laughs> you know, so we're yes, exactly. We're over here in the, yeah. in the in the top left. You know, saying, okay, well, these are negative thoughts. I better replace them with positive thoughts. And you know, here's a judging part of me. I don't like that. I'm going to put that over in the corner and tell that to be quiet and then I'm going to and as soon as you get over to one side then the other side gets messy and you clean up one side and so this is saying okay try this let your awareness step back or open up outside of the cloud and realize that you are also the sky absolutely now as that oh. sky are you aware of the space or are you actually aware from that spacious awareness? Yes. And then as that spacious awareness, isn't it outside and also isn't it within the cloud? So you can come back and feel embodied with whatever's happening from a new view? Yep. So the cloud doesn't disappear but you're seeing it in context from the larger yes. view. Yes. Beautiful. And so, you know, a lot of, and a lot of, you know, like preliminary practices in most traditions are trying to calm the cloud. So that's mm-hmm. fine. And, and those, yeah. you know, you know, calm, the, you know, soothe the animal and calm the mind yeah. are good, uh-huh. good things to do in general and continue to do them, please. And also, <laughs> yeah. uh, they can be good preliminary practices of spirituality, but if that's all you're doing is stress management, then you yeah. haven't discovered the real stepping stone. You haven't used them as a stepping stone to discover that you're the sky, that the sky is aware, the sky is outside and within, and you have this subtler dimension of consciousness that's free and interconnected with everyone and is dancing as energetic patterns, but isn't threatening to who you are and can never hurt you because what, you know, what storm ever hurt the sky? <laughs> and no matter how dark, dark a cloud gets, it will, it will rain, you know, and then yeah. it will, it will clear. So, um, so the, this sense of um, preliminary practice is calming and soothing. And, you know, so many people just continue to do those initial practices of just the first, you know, stages of yoga or the first stages of Qigong or the first stages mm-hmm. of what I call deliberate, deliberate mindfulness, where you yes. kind of move to the top of the cloud and you're able to observe the cloud but you're still yes. kind of a detached point of view called a mindful witness. And you see like, Oh, now I see I'm not, 
you know, the thoughts and feelings of the cloud are not who I am. I'm the mindful witness. But it's still kind of a, a point of view. It's not embodied and it's not open to the subtlest dimension that's possible. And that's kind of where I spend this um, time and, these pra- and devise these practices based on ancient wisdom traditions to help um, and, you know, fairly quickly access the sky-like awareness that's not just uh, transcendent, but immediately come back to its being imminent and interconnected and loving presence. Mm. So beautifully, beautifully put, Locke. It really is. I'm, I'm moved in hearing you say all this as you are. I... Uh, Something comes to mind, and it's it's kind of crude um, and pedestrian in comparison to what you just laid out. <laughs> but it's it's a way of understanding shift in identity. And okay. what I hear you you know saying, of course, is the shifting from the small self to self as sky, not just as cloud, but the spaciousness of the sky. And of course, we're using that as a metaphor for, let's just call it the infinite of all life, of all creation, of all being. Yeah. And but unity, I, I was yeah, kind of thinking unity. about, I'm sorry, please. Or, or just unity consciousness, that it's not just stopping unity the consciousness. sky, but then, right. it's, then it's more yeah, interconnected. And, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah exactly. So this is, as I say, a little bit more pleviate, if you will, <laughs> but it may help the audience and people who might not be so familiar uh, get a little bit, little of a handle on this. Also, we have listeners from around the world who are coming from yeah. their own respective cultural traditions, languages, sure. and points of view. So, you know, in our world of society and culture, we have varying levels of identity, you could say. We have an identity of being, let's say, first a human, hopefully. Some people haven't gotten there yet, even if they're in a human. Then there is an identity, let's say, of a gender, you know, and we make some kind of, you know, uh, come to grips with Mm -hmm. that. Then we uh, are in a family, and then that family, Mm -hmm. uh, or at least traditionally, had a religion of origin and of tradition, whether Mm -hmm. people follow it or not. There is a sort of religious identity, an ethnic identity. Uh, Then sometimes there's a city identity. Sometimes there's a, if the city is New York, a Yankees or Mets identity. Um, (laughs) That there can be a state identity and a national identity. And then some of us think of ourselves more as earthlings or planetarians. And then we have a, we have more of a, a, you know, a, a larger perspective on what our identity is. It's not necessarily with a particular country. It's with being human. It's with the species. And then there's another, you know, there are other levels, of course, which yeah. you're pointing the finger to of of um, of a yeah. galactic identity or a cosmic identity and a universal identity. And all the yeah. while, as you scale upward, and of course, yes, Ken Wilber talks about this, uh, his way, that we are loosening up our grip on that one little cloud of ours, and we're expanding skyward, heavenly, heavenward, if you will, and 
uh, shaking up and softening and loosening up those different levels of identity until finally we are identified with, as you were saying, the unified field. Yes. And so, you know, and so, and so in some ways there's the unified field means um, the primary identity. As soon as you go from this finite cloud to the spacious awareness that's infinite, you don't need to explore too far because it's just infinite. <laughs> as soon as you realize, oh, yeah. it's infinite, it's boundless. Okay, okay, that's good. So now come back. <laughs> that's good, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Immediately tra- transcend and include. So you, yeah. you go to the subtle, you know, and some people it's not external like um, infinite outside, but sometimes it's almost subtlest dimension of like awake space within the atoms. So some people yeah. find the door of going within, you know, the kingdom of heaven is within. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's a good door. And others go out uh, yeah. and then come back. But either way, you're coming back. And what they say in Zen is when you have this realization that sometimes they just call it ordinary mind because mm-hmm. it's infinite, but it includes your your bumbling everyday Yes. You know, personality. Bumbling, and fumbling, crumbling mind. <laughs> crumbling, ordinary, imperfect human yeah. that, you know, likes certain foods and doesn't like other foods and can either play the piano or not play the piano. And if you, when you have this yes. awakening, that, that doesn't change. You know, it's just, okay, now I don't have background. this um, fundamental suffering or this existential anxiety or this feeling of, the word dukkha, in, um, which is mm-hmm. suffering in suffering. Buddhism, is often translated as perpetual dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. So some kind of low-level perpetual, something's wrong, what's wrong with me, what's the problem, i got to solve the problem, i better go to the past and get depressed yes. about the past. No, I'll go to the future and be worried and anxious about the future, so should I be anxious or depressed? And all this energy of emotion cannot be managed by a small thought-based ego. So there's no Mm -hmm. way to grow up and be um, a healthy ego, no matter how smart and healthy and how many ducks in a row you get in your life, you can Mm -hmm. never feel really happy. You can kind of create a role where you're surviving and you yes, I'm doing very well. Thank you. How about you? (laughs) <laughs> but yes. but uh-huh. the small ego can't bear a fully intimate uh, emotional human life. You keep so, only upgrading to this more spacious, um, interconnected, interbeing feeling of um, multiple dimensions of infinite and finite, transcendent and imminent um, can allow you to relax and feel okay and safe and and accept your limitations and not feel dominated by shame or fear or worry. So you're saying that once one embraces the effortless space uh, and let's go, if you will, from the egoic. Uh, what we refer to as happiness, which is a kind of a 
funny word these days, you know. It mm-hmm. doesn't seem yeah. to comport what it used to, <laughs> you know. As Yogi Berra said, you know, the future just ain't what it used to be, you know. Um, uh, I just, um, I... I think that there is a sense of well-being that is possible uh, when we don't even know who we are as the ordinary Mm -hmm. self anymore, (laughs) that we have identified, if you will, with the bigger self, if you will, with Mm -hmm. the clumsy language. You know, that's what I, I hear you really saying. Yes. Yeah, and it's a real, you know, it's not an intellectual or philosophical process it's literally and that's kind of what yeah this book yeah. the way of effortless mindfulness is really a, a guidebook or a practice book in that it's you know showing you some ways to shift your awareness to discover the awareness that's that's awake and yes is has been in the background and now you're aware from there and as soon as you Discover that it's called I call it a U-turn, Y-O U-turn, that this awareness kind of unhooks from thought and either drops down through your body into your heart space or opens to this subtler, infinite, boundless, timeless awareness. And then you're aware from there back to feel the thoughts, feelings, and sensations arising like an ocean of awareness arising as the wave of you, then there's a kind of a depth of support and a sense of, you know, trusting things are just unfolding and I'm not driving the car, but I can respond rather than react. Yes. Yes. Now, one of the subjects that you address uh, rather well and painfully in some way is pain. And that's a very direct experience that we have. And let's even talk about physical pain. We all know emotional Mm -hmm. pain. We all know both. From this vantage point, could you speak because it's so real? And, of course, even from physical pain, we tend to have emotional pain as well. It Mm -hmm. kind of comes with the ride. Could you apply all what you're saying now to that direct experience in people's lives. Sure. And yeah, maybe I'll just kind of finish, say something about, and we can come back to it, that about mm-hmm. emotional pain from this kind of vast open interconnected self, when you come back and feel within, what you realize is that there are thoughts, emotions, and feelings that have been repressed And then what I've discovered and kind of work with people um, who have, you know, complex trauma and and just normal neurotic people. But what they discover Mm -hmm. is they have parts of themselves um, that sit in the seat of the self. So there's like, you know, a part that feels unlovable that comes up. Oh, I'm unlovable. And it always says I. It says, oh, I'm unlovable. And then another part That's says, the reference. comes in and says, yeah. yeah. And then there's another part that comes in and says, well, don't, you know, don't, don't feel that way. You know, try to be positive. And that feels like you too, or it feels like, mm-hmm. but once, once you discover this larger sense of, you know, of self, let's call it no self self or being, mm-hmm. 
then mm-hmm. it has the capacity to be with these different parts of yourself. So if you have a part that feels like, oh, I'm unlovable, you say, oh, that's not me, That's a, but that's not just a thought, feeling, or story. That's a part of me. And by giving mm-hmm. it that emotional validity, you, you're not kind of repressing it or denying it. You're letting it not take you over and identify with it, but you're letting it kind of be um, met and listened to and healed and unburdened and liberated. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So this is a process that, you know, kind of brings contemporary uh, versions of psychotherapy, psychotherapy into sure. the awakening awakening and embodiment um, process. So this, this has worked really well um, to kind of give a little map where they kind of meet the uh, yeah. psychology and the and the um, and the, the awakening yeah practice so mm-hmm. so that's important mm-hmm. and, then, and then in pain um, it's kind of similar but so the way that I work with it so let's say uh, you have um, you know like arthritis in one of your hands or something and so you have this you know, chronic pain, but you've, you know, you've looked at it, you've, you've checked it out with a doctor, you make sure it's not a signal that says something's wrong, you know, you're treating it medically, but it's still, you know, inflammation, and you're eating, you know, you're changing your diet, you're doing acupuncture, you're doing everything that, you know, you can physically and to treat it, but there's still chronic pain. Um, so the nerve endings are, uh, inflamed or there's pressure on them and they're sending a signal like up the line of your arm to this center of your brain like an operator and they keep making this phone call. Check this out, mm-hmm. check this out, check this out, check yeah. this out. And the signal is pain signals meant to be strong and negative and immediate because mm-hmm. if you did walk along on a beach and step on a nail and you're talking to your friend, it's meant to be like strong, immediate, send a signal, get them to, you know, get the organism to immediately respond to this area. Yes. So, what you know, one of these protocols, which, you know, people can read more about it and do the practices, but I'll just say it so you may or may not understand it. It's in the book. So, imagine if you were to just feel like the physical signal is coming up your arm from your hand to this operator in your head. And so what you learn to do is actually realize that awareness is identified with a thinker in your head. And then this unusual thing is it's almost like a globe of awareness, which is actually can be aware of your body from within your body literally kind of unhooks from the thinking center. So like the operator drops down through your jaw and then knows your throat directly from within your throat and then moves down to your shoulder. And then this kind of globe of awareness or this operator intelligence moves down through your elbow, your forearm, and then the intelligence of awareness goes right into your hand and sees directly there's no knife in my hand that needs to be removed. 
There's mm-hmm. just a phone call, and it sees that, okay, everything's okay. You can relax, and I'm not going to have suffering about the pain. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the pain signal can now go to the space of intelligence, which is within your whole body and actually within the field of the sky of intelligence. So it doesn't have to come back up to that one point because the awareness is now within your hand and the awareness is now all around your body and within all around in a kind of spacious observing uh, capacity. So the signal become goes from eight to like two in, mm-hmm. in minutes. And this is, you know, this God. is something people report uh, very quickly and it basically is letting your intelligence move from your hand to this greater field of knowing, and it's like it goes to voicemail. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. You get a sense. It's so sense interesting. Of that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's also move. I mean, there are a few different ways of describing uh, yes. the process you're talking about. One is going from subjective experience, the depth of that, to objective. You're objectifying the process. I remember, I think it was, um, was it in uh, Warner Earhart's The Forum, if I'm not mistaken, where they described uh, that um, what someone describes as nervousness could be it's a matter of interpretation about whether it's mm-hmm. excitement or anxiety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it depends on the mind and the being and doing the interpretation that the physical body's yeah. experience is virtually the, the same. It's identical. Yes. So yeah, you, you see the through lines here, you know, right? Yeah. So that, yeah, that first level so is, is, is what the first level of, of distinguishing kind of sensation as just, okay, it's just there, it's going to be there, so let's just look at it as sensation. That's kind of taking the suffering away from the pain or the sufferer, letting the sufferer know, okay, you don't need to attend to this. It's just, you know, feel it as, you know, an area of strong vibration sensation. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then... And that happens with some mindfulness, you know, basic mindfulness of pain. But then the second thing is really to look into it and to, you know, usually when when I teach this, I've already taught this first principle, which is actually if you're able to kind of feel that awareness unhooking and dropping down into your jaw, into your throat. So you're aware of your throat from within your throat. Then you're aware of your shoulder from within your shoulder. That you're really movement, going right into it. You're going into it. So what you've done is you actually have decentered the ego identity and yet remained yes. embodied. So yes. you're going to a subtler dimension of subject and object rather than reinforcing kind of mindfulness of breath or something where you actually are kind of continuing to feel this head-centered observer, in this case, you're you're moving awareness and realizing, oh, it's aware from within, and now it can go out to the space 
all around and be embodied, and it allows, um, you know, diffusion of like the intensity of this one-pointed uh, line of pain going right to your head, like immediately. So mm-hmm. it, it it goes to like a zone. It goes to your zone personality or your flow sense of being. It's so like, okay, I know it's here, but now it's just moved to the background. Yeah. It's not in the foreground anymore. So you're making several points here, of course, Locke. Uh, one is the interface of traditional wisdom uh, and contemporary psychotherapy. And one of the things that comes mm-hmm. to mind is figure ground, which is, uh, you know, yeah. attributed to Fritz Perls and Gestalt. Yeah. Parts therapy, yeah. right? Also, yeah. in the space of Gestalt and psychodrama, which mm-hmm. I do, but call it therapeutic theater. I like the phrase much better. Um, okay. And <laughs> also, uh, you know, that we have, well, let me put it this way. I remember being at a workshop of Terence McKenna's, the great, mm-hmm. you know, penseur of yes. the extraordinaire, as he was called, of the 20th century. And Someone said, asked him, Terence, what is God? And Terence mm-hmm. said, biology. And I mm. love that answer. I, to this day, yeah. you know, 30 years later, I'm still quoting it. But I'll tell you, I would actually modify that. I think he's right. Yeah. And it's imagination. And it could, by the way, be a whole lot more than that, dot, 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 you know. But <laughs> to me, what you are referring to when you speak about the globe and the objectifying of the subjective experience and even looking at the personal cloud lock, then in comparison to, in contrast with, and moving up along the ladder of the sky identity mm-hmm. and beyond – as we were talking about earlier, you know, we're using, we're engaging our imaginative visual functions to move our bodily experience from one space to another and one zone to another. And I think that's phenomenal because it really, Mm -hmm. it gives us such leverage, if you will, of what our personal experience and interpretation of reality are Mm -hmm. your thoughts yes yeah i think you know it's almost as if the imagination is the transition from uh conceptual thinking to direct experience so it's a beautiful Mm -hmm. doorway yes it's the conveyor belt like i say yeah yeah, it's a conveyor belt and it's a beautiful like um painting like a like a you know like a you know moves from a you know realist painting to you know more of a a abstract you know like a feeling of oh it's Uh colors and and tones and Pollock and then it moves right yeah and then then, but then it it kind of lets go into this dimension of consciousness which again we know from but we can't see it which is awareness so mm-hmm. awareness sometimes I'll you know that awareness is literally able to be aware of the space in the room from the space in the room. It's able to be aware of my knee from my knee. It's not imagination. It's actually 
inherent within uh, my body that you mm-hmm. you know the brain your brain is not necessarily where you're even uh, knowing from. Think. It's just like a yeah. It's um it's part of it. There's even a guy, um, Daniel Siegel, who has interpersonal neurobiology that feels like there's a field of biology and neuroscience that is, you know, is almost like the Qigong uh, chi field that you can, you perceiving uh-huh. on a level of, you know, through the feeling of other beings and trees. And that's sure. why people like walking in sure. nature or, but there's yes. an intelligence that's not, a, that's not in your head. And it's not just in your body, but it's in this interpersonal or inter, you know, yes. unity field of consciousness that sure. when you feel that, it literally is real. It's not just imagination. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I, I spend probably more time talking about fields than physical reality, you know, <laughs> having to do with that interstitial, interspatial uh, dimension that connects us yeah. all. And so you beautifully put, you know, with nature, with the trees. And so we, we have this whole reality, largely among indigenous, of speaking mm-hmm. with and listening yeah. to and hearing trees and all forms of sentient life. And through our modern interpretation of reality, that looks weird. But from ours, yeah. it's au natural. And it's weird that... You're not in communication. Like, what happened? Yes. You cut the phone lines? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and even making sense of that because, like, I'll – so often in this map I use in the book, it's uh, we move from kind of everyday mind or ego-centered mind to subtle yes. mind, which is kind of mindfulness, or subtle body energy, which are people yes. who do chanting and yoga and qigong um, mm-hmm. So those are, you know, two, those are the next level of moving from this solid separate sense of self to this ob- observing meditator or this energetic field. Yes. But then the next stage is, is kind of the key is to feel this pure awareness or this sky-like awareness that is prior to thought and energy just for mm-hmm. a moment. So people... Bad people, like I say, it just takes three seconds to three minutes. You're just tuning into it, and that's it. You don't have to sit in a cave for, you know, three <laughs> th- three months or three years or three lifetimes. You can, yeah. you can yeah. shift into this, plug, unplug from the cloud, and then plug into the, you know, almost like quantum field that's prior to, uh, you know, quarks or prior to um, particles or waves and then as that awareness just be aware from there back to notice that energy is made of awareness and is arising like an ocean and a wave so that's the third level is this pure awareness or wake awareness and then then when you do realize that you're aware primarily from there and that it is dancing energy that's called simultaneous mind or awareness energy. And then you kind of find the new connection to humanity 
as kind of heart mind um, mm. as the new kind of operating center rather than head mind. So it still yes. remains open and connected and more compassionate view, which is already installed. So when you're in this heart mind, after you've kind of made these shifts of navigating your own consciousness, you you naturally see everyone as your not even as your brother and sister, but literally almost as yourself. Like, yes. oh, that's me. Oh, there I am. Well, how yes. else would you treat them when you see? You're like, oh, well, that's what right. can I do for you? How can I help you? You know, like, what, what do we need right. to do together? I can, you can do that, exactly. and I can do this. So I don't have to do everything exactly. because we're working together, and you're good at that, and I'm good at this. So let's let's exactly. go. Exactly. Yeah, that that is sort of where the human family can really come together. And, you know, I spend yeah. a fair amount of time, Locke, looking at the larger issues yeah. facing all of us, you know. And yeah. from the Amazon forest raging mm-hmm. in fire to the economic, political, and social injustice, uh, that is raging like a fire right here and pretty yeah. much everywhere to varying degrees, and on and on, these very human-created conditions. And I always ask the question in these more spirit-oriented and multidimensional conversations with thought leaders like yourself, how yeah. does this apply in this real-world human condition. And in reality, you just answered that. Because if we are coming from this deep space of interconnectedness and a unified field where we see other as self and self as other, uh, then where we come from in discussion and action becomes altogether different. That's right. Yeah, And you have a new motivation... And, you know, that's the other side of it is you feel this um, this right-sized motivation and the appreciation yes. of community in that you feel like, oh, I'm too small, I can't do anything, so what's the use? Or you don't yes. feel like, I've got to go save the world, and it's up to me. Right. And you don't feel like you're motivated just from anger or fear. You yes. feel like, okay, well, I am I am a little angry still, but I'm going to. But, yeah, but I'm motivated yeah. by love. <laughs> you know, that's right. The, that's the initial, right. the initial anger actually is part of compassion. There is, yes. a, you know, a lot of the neuroscience yes, is showing that that the amygdala is kind of fires in compassion. It's like, oh no, mm-hmm. what's happening there to that person? I've got to, you know, and then it moves to activity, and then it moves to, you know, empathy and you know, love and and action. But there's you know, like some, like oh no, there's a there's a a feeling of like at the deepest level of the biological animal, like you know, no, you know, yes. so that that it just can't stay there, otherwise we burn out. That's um, right. So the you know the burnout or the righteous know, indignation has a role yeah. in the game. It's not a yeah, bad it's, thing. It's not to be condemned but as you said it's not to be long lasting either it's to provide a fire an ignition for action yeah it's a natural response to anything that's happening you see a picture of a 
you know, a, a person or an animal on TV that's, you know, harmed or starving and you're like, no, you know, like, that's wait right. a minute, you know, that's me. You know, there's an empathy exactly. and then, a, you know, indignation and then an action, you know, like for the, for the fires in Brazil and other countries, you know, you just, what am I going to do? Yeah. This is our house. Like, like that's what's right. going on here? Like, if you're, that's if your right. house I say that to people all the down, time. Exactly. You're like, no, it's not a big deal. It's like, <laughs> right. It's, right. It provides the oxygen. You know, let's, you know, let's, let's, let's get some, you know, some, yeah, some, some people who more can wake up and, you know, be able to be motivated. You know, so I, I tend to start, you know, from the, from the micro and move to the macro. Um, Uh But that's, I think, you know, because, you know, I think it was Dan Berrigan who said, I think, you know, we, we need more, more retreats for activists than we need, you know, you know, so to get them to, to, to not burn out and to be refueled and then be activists, you know, that's um, right. Really so, good. And to connect to something of deeper, a higher, larger yeah. wave of nature, of nature, yeah. if you will, instead of being yeah. in then, the cloud. And and, yeah, so true. yeah. And we'll be, you know, kind of, you know, spinning our wheels by ourselves. So, so it's, you yeah. know, it's, um, but there's also a sense that, you know, you can with that there's, you know, a group of, People now, and you know, called highly sensitive people who pick up mm-hmm. energy all the time. And in some ways, sure. anybody who's intelligent and sensitive, you know, can get overwhelmed by just watching, you know, half an hour of news. You know, like, <laughs> like and you yeah. you, you want to experience this other dimension of, of, you know, simultaneously, you know, well-being and realization that you know, some, you know, things are not going well, but, you know, if you look at the history channel, you'll also see, you know, the 30 years war and the hundred years war and, you know, the human race has mm-hmm. not been doing yeah. so well for, you know, most of it. A long history. time. So, exactly. So let's, you know, let's I say upgrade. to people, <laughs> that's right. I say to people all the time, if yeah. you really look at the history of humanity, you are looking at the history of war and conflict. And, yeah. of course, there's the magnificent, you know, flourishing of the arts and science, uh, sciences yeah. along the way. But uh, at base, there is the reptilian brain and amygdala that yeah. is just out for blood. And it's an yeah. issue that I feel we need major upgrades, talking about upgrades. Yeah. I mean, we're almost out of time. Well, we really kind of okay. are, but... Can I ask you? I I, I still have a burning sure. question or or right. or ten, and, uh, um, but I would like to ask you. Uh, I'll limit it to one for the moment. Um, but I want to ask you, Locke, because you've done this beautiful work of looking at the interface of neuroscience with uh, mm-hmm. mindfulness practices of different of different sorts uh from deliberate to effortless and i appreciate the distinctions by the way that you make in the book and mm-hmm. you've made in this uh in this discussion uh is it possible to say that when we embark on this 
process toward effortless mindfulness and the micro moments of those exercises that you also propose as the glimpsing exercises. Could you say that neurophysiologically we are extinguishing, i.e. neutralizing an emotional charge literally in our neurocircuitry and bringing it to zero, bringing it to balance so the firing is not happening the way it was, i.e. when we inhibit a reaction, when we feel that knee-jerk no uh, or what have you, usually it's a no, um, and we just ride it out. So in that way, we are literally changing our brainwave patterns and our neurocircuitry. So the firing and the wiring are not happening in the same way. We're shifting that. So that's sort of step one. And then we're going further in that physiological direction, the more and more we relax into the space of, let's just call it a sky consciousness or the unified field, that it can literally be reflected, is reflected in our neurocircuitry and our neural web? Yes. Yes. There's, yes? There's no doubt that this oh, is... Oh, very cool. Yeah, this is... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that, okay. that's the short answer. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That's the short answer. Okay, great. Well, no, it's, that's a, I, I'm thrilled to hear that because that's what makes yeah. organic sense to me. And to hear you who have so deeply looked into this and met with the neuroscientists. In fact, I remember when you and I met cross paths at the farmer's market in Union Square, the Big Apple, yeah. um, you know, and we had an extended conversation about this. You had just come from... I don't know, New yeah. Haven or from, uh, I'm not sure, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so I, I'm just been thrilled with yeah. that part of your work. I'm sorry? Yeah. Yeah, so I yeah, I'd come from Yale from this, uh, where they have a yeah. real-time fMRI, so you can see the, yeah. you know, the. I won't go into the details because we're finishing up, but basically uh, neuroscience gets, <laughs> your neuroscience, your, your change your mind, change your brain, um, yes, exactly. More, more love is available. You feel calmer, and but also more motivated and creative. And uh, you know, this is the possibility. So let's go and let's let's all wake up together. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> well, my dear Locke, you're doing such beautiful work, and I I so stand behind what you're doing, and I I so appreciate. Uh, the goodwill, the good cheer, and the level of intelligence that you bring to your work and your students and your clients. It's, uh, it's a real joy for me to have you on and share with our audience uh, all that you do. So a deep thank okay. you. Well, thank you, Mitchell. It's a real joy to, to enter into the, you know, this mutuality of, of you know, having a dialogue yes. at a real deep level and share it with many people who, you know, we're, we're glad to have with us. Yes. Oh, well, absolutely. And you're most welcome. And it's truly my, yeah. my, my deep pleasure. Will you give your website out? Uh, of course sure. you can always, I have it on our website at betterworld.tv, but so okay. people can go directly to you. Yes. So you can go to the website and there's, you know, my book, you can look, see where my book can be. 
purchased and uh, there's events all over Europe and United yes. States. And, uh, You're leaving next and week for things. Europe, so right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I'll be back uh-huh. east and west coast um, and free YouTubes and things like that. So um, it is lockkelly.org. So L-O-C-H-K-E-L-L-Y.org. And um, be happy to meet you in the future. Beautiful. And in the sky. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the sky that we all Beautiful. are connected. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Locke, Kelly, thank you again for being on today, and uh, I look forward to our speaking again soon. Great. Thanks, Mitchell. It's a pleasure. Sure. Bye-bye now. Bye now. Locke, Kelly, I just so, so appreciate his gentle humor and playfulness, along with a searing uh, scientific type of intelligence and level of inquiry and just a heart of gold that's just miles wide. And I met Locke many years ago at a uh, holotropic breath workshop, and we've just been connected ever since. And um, it's a real pleasure and joy to have him on, as I said, and sharing these real breakthroughs in understanding and getting, uh, becoming aware and being in touch with these subtler levels of awareness and consciousness can really help our world connect on the depth of level it needs to be connected on. You can only wage war or violence or harm when you're not connected to other so to speak. And even if something needs to happen, even a man, say, killing an animal because he or she needs to eat in, as it has been traditionally over the course of years, the native peoples of Turtle Island and all over the world, indigenous peoples have taught us ways of even doing that that act with a sense of compassion and love. Even the Jews and the Muslims, through what is called uh, the laws of kashrut or of halal, we have ways of interacting with other sentient beings that even because we are eaten and we eat, that's the way it is from fungi and bacteria and parasites eating us. Now, I haven't heard one act very compassionately, but we can, and uh, just, you know, I'm being a little playful, but there is this general field of love that Locke was talking about, and of compassion, the notion in Sanskrit of karuna, that when in touch with, because we are aware of these subtler fields in and around us, not separate, in and out cease to be dualistic. They become one through line, if you will. Uh, Our actions are infused, in a sense, with compassion and love. It's, It's a different way of thought. It's a different way of being. So I just so appreciate appreciate the way Locke articulates all of this in his book. I'll say the name of it again, The Way of Effortless Mindfulness, A Revolutionary Guide for Living an Awakened Life. 
So I want to thank all of you for tuning in today. I know you have many options of where to listen to your interviews and podcasts online. We have a veritable library surrounding us all the time. It's wonderful. And you also have a specific one here at abetterworld.tv. We have a free newsletter at that same website. It announces what we'll be doing on the air on radio, as well as every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or Eastern Time, I should say, in New York City on TV. It's non-commercial. We've been on for, oh my word, since March of 1993, speaking with the sung and the unsung heroes of society. Remember that there are a number of different services that we offer here at A Better World through my work also as a holistic psychotherapist, counselor, coach, biofeedback practitioner, stress management consultant, and you can always get in touch with us at mjr at abetterworld.net. I also like to know your thoughts and comments about our shows. Again, mjr at abetterworld.net. And we're also a nonprofit, a 501c3, and we rely on donations uh, from our work and service to all. So if you are able to make any size donation, we appreciate it. Just, again, that same email address and instructions will be given to you about how. So thank you all for listening. I so appreciate it. Love to touch base with you all. My name is Mitchell J. Rabin, and I look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you.